Okay, good morning, everybody. Hope everybody is well. Happy Thursday. I'm so great to be back with you. Yesterday, we started talking, really, sort of getting into this concept um, that really is, it's one of the most fundamental things that we're getting at. And, um, you know, these are the moments where we stop, like I was saying yesterday, wherever you come in, we get to circulate around again. And these are one of those moments. Because what we spoke about yesterday was we're trying to sort of find where humility lies in our lives. What I'm trying to, what we're trying to do is to dispel this sort of, I don't want to say it's a myth, but it's sort of a misconception that humility and arrogance are, I guess, sort of natural traits. You know, you see people that are humble and they sort of feel humble and, and you, you should be more humble or less humble. Like, we don't know how to get that. Like, how do I become more humble? Do I appreciate things more? Isn't that just being more grateful? Does that mean being more humble? Do I think Do I think of myself less? Like, how do I do that? Am I not going to think of myself? You ever try this? Where like you get a, um, let me just wish everybody a chaim on the coffee. You ever like, here's some kind of like speech or lecture or something about humility. And you're like, no, 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 now it's going to be different. Then like, you know, you go home and like, you try not to be offended and you're still offended. Like you're the same, you're the same person. You're like, how do I do that? So what we're talking about yesterday is how, how to do that. Right. It's not like we have to like uproot ourselves. We have to recognize the tools that we have. And know how to use them properly. So we have tools. It's eyes and mouth and hands and brains. Like we have tools. God gave us a body. And a body is a very elaborate robot that we get to control. To live in this virtual reality called life. And try to enable it to go towards things and influence the depths of who we are in the right way so we have a tool it's called eyes not just physical eyes but mental eyes where i focus is not just my physical eyes right let's go back to where we ended when i wake up in the morning and the story i told yesterday about the lady in bed so she's not seeing her presentation that she has to give in a couple hours but she's seeing it she's imagining it she is, if you can picture focusing her eyes on it, because imagination also has the ability to focus on. And that's bringing her worry. And then she gets into the anger because she remembers the colleague who last time she presented disparaged her. And then it pops into her head that her loved one went to the doctor because they saw some growth. And she moves into, into, into greater states of worry. And then she gets a text that it's all good. Now, this woman hasn't left her bedroom. And she's gone through from stress to anger to worry to jubilation. It's because where you put your attention to is how you're going to feel. Now, 
I want to spend time on this, but I just want to tell you why we're doing this so that everybody's with me. We spoke, we set up earlier this continuum, be, do, have, essence, actions, impact. Now, all we got to do is figure out how to take this eyesight, this mental eyesight, this focus, and look at this chart properly. And if we can marry this continuum and where you focus on this continuum, where you shine that light on that continuum and you hold it long enough, you will naturally feel more humble. Not like meek humble, but like superpower humble. Humility is a superpower. It unlocks the power. It doesn't cover and make our power more limited. In the material world, humble people are the nice guys that finish last. In the spiritual world, humble people are the nice guys that finished first and women. It's a flip. It unlocks. It doesn't lock up which is a misconception we have to get through. Let's, let's just spend a few minutes on what I'm talking about. So let's go back to the lady in the morning. So she wakes up in the morning. Now, she wakes up in the morning and she's got four emotions. Stress, anger, worry, jubilation. Okay, fine. Those are four different feelings that she's going to feel. Now, remember, she's got a brain. And what is, what, is, what is our brain like most? Our brain likes consistency because consistency builds neuroplasticity. So what feels most normal is what is most familiar. I want to just make sure this is clear. Things don't have to be right for us to think they're right. They have to be familiar, Right. When you are engaged in any type of information, any type of change, when you move to a new neighborhood, when you start a new job, what feels off in the beginning is that it is unfamiliar. And the more you're involved in something, the more it feels right. It's not right or wrong. It's just familiar. So if you grew up in a home where they are politically stands towards the left, Or to the right, just for a second. I'm not making a judgment call. I'm just sort of stating facts, or at least my sense of facts. If you're familiar with arguments on either side of the political spectrum, if that's familiar, if you hear mom and dad saying it, if what's on the television in your home is those news broadcasts, right? If what gets your dad upset at the front of the car, the radio, that is playing those newscasters. If it is in the middle, fine. But if it's on the polar extents, what will be familiar to you is that level of talk, of rhetoric, of understanding. Now, as you go into the world and hear someone else's opinion, it's gonna feel wrong, not because it is or isn't wrong, but because it is unfamiliar. That's why when you study Talmud, for example, there's such an ethic 
of questioning and two sides. If you study a page of Talmud, it's unbelievable. They quote the opinions that lose, which makes no sense. They're writing a book. They, they, weren't, they weren't copy and pasting it in like Microsoft Word. They were like ink writing. You know, talking about this was like 2000. They were like drop of ink. And then when someone wanted a copy, they were like, okay, here we go. Drop of ink, right? Like you would think they would write like the winning opinions. They write the losing opinions. They write four opinions. Why? Because the greatest risk to Talmudic thought is just doing with what is familiar. The ethic of a spiritual minded person is they're always engaging in the other side because they always want to test their assumptions because they're looking for truth. They're not looking for what is familiar because what is familiar may not be truth. It just may be familiar. We see this with denominations, whatever religion you're watching this, that you're a part of, I guarantee you there's denominations to your right and to your left. And there are people that look to the right and to the left and make judgments about people in denominations. Why? It's because what is their denomination, what is what they are used to is most familiar. So it feels right to them. It feels like that's the right mix of rituals and observance. It all feels right because it's familiar. And when I see someone to the right of me, whatever religion you're in, you just go across the board. Wherever you sit on any spectrum, politically, religiously, economically, just name a spectrum. Wherever you sit, wherever I sit, we are inclined to believe that where we sit is right because it's familiar. Familiar is a trap for truth. And that's why when you see great companies, usually the CEOs could care less. Sometimes it, it, it applies by how they treat people, but really it's in themselves. They don't care a lot about, you know, the usual accolades. They just want truth. They'll fight truth for everything. There's a big divide what's happening right now in the world. I don't want to get into it, but if you look around, those that want truth and those that want familiar, comfortable things. And we have to be people that want truth. But let's go deeper now. What is familiar? Familiar is things that I see a lot. Okay. Wake up in the morning. My brain likes things that are familiar, right? Even if negative, they like it familiar. I'd, ra I'd rather watch a negative broadcast from the political opinions that I agree with than a positive broadcast from a political opinion that I don't agree with. There's no question. Today, people would rather watch the candidate that they, that they went against in negativity than in positivity. Why? It's crazy. The answer is, is because... I'm, I'm okay with negative. It's familiar. Most things in life that I are my habits holding me back are things that are familiar to me. And I know they're negative, but they're familiar. Right? It's familiar for me to react to people that upset me by screaming. And familiar for me to be act, to go reach into the cabinet, I don't know, when I'm stressed. Or to, um, to, to give up when I am struggling with an, an idea. I know it's negative. But that's familiar. 
So our brain will always incline to do familiar because familiar builds a new neuroplasticity, right? Okay. We're neurologically inclined to keep familiar going. So wake up in the morning, stress, worry, sorry, stress, anger, worry, jubilation. She's got all four. The question is, where does she let her mind go consistently? Let's take out like the example of somebody thought they had a growth and it came out negative and they're okay. How about let's just make it regular. She woke up healthy. How about that? Because by the way, having a growth and finding out that it's okay is the exact same thing of not having a growth at all, right? What it was, I thought I wasn't healthy. Now I'm healthy. Now let's make it a little bit more complicated. She wakes up. She's got a presentation. Stress person she's mad at, anger, the fact that she's up and healthy, joy, or let's make it more complex. The fact that she, um, you know, has a, has a wonderful life, let's say, joy. Three potential scenarios. They're both, they're all there. They're all available to her and they all pop in. The question is not that they're there. The question is, where is she going to hold her attention? If she does nothing, her attention is going to slide towards the things that is most based on survival, right? Survival is how we're born. You have to opt for greatness. So making a presentation and being socially unaccepted is the most about survival. So if she does nothing, most likely she's going to incline towards the stress. But if she asserts her ability to control her own eyes and focuses it on the gratitude, that means I hear the stress. I'll deal with the stress. I hear the anger. I got it. But I am going to assert what I have, which is eyes, mental eyes. It may be hard in the beginning. It may be challenging because I hear the stress. Come look at me. It's stressful. You may be socially unaccepted. You may lose your job and not have any more money and be laughed out of the community. And da, 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 da. I hear it. But we're in control of our minds. Remember, our minds are a muscle that works for us. It's hard to hold in place when you're doing a plank but if you got to do a plank for a minute and it's 30 seconds in, you can hold it because your muscles still work for you. And at some point, it'll give. But just because your brain, your, your body is saying stop, it doesn't mean you have to stop. So when we use that same principles for our mind's eye and we take all of our attention and focus it on what's good, what happens is not only do we feel good for the moment, the next day it is 0.1% easier to stay focused on good. And then the next day and the next day and the next week and the next month, and then you wake up one morning and there's stress and anger and your body, because it loves familiar, is familiar with that show called gratitude. You have neuroplastic connections that say it's morning, Gratitude. 
and the joy and the power and the focus feels natural because you, we spent time fighting for our attention. Our attention doesn't belong to the world. They don't get to do whatever they want. And we're like a bunch of like, you know, we can't, where, 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 where can I look now? Anybody want to send me something? Okay, I'll look at my phone. I'm done with my phone. What else? Anybody? Oh my God, she said something that wasn't nice to me. <gasps> okay, I was going to have a good day five minutes ago, but I came to work and she said something that was not nice. And now my whole day is shot. I'm sorry, that sounded louder than I wanted it to. <laughs> For those who are listening on the audio, I didn't bang on the table. The attention doesn't belong to the rest of the world. We're not sitting around like totally incapable, like always sitting in the back of the car while someone else drives us every day. Hopefully to something really good or not so good. We don't have to sit around our whole lives and wait for somebody else to fill our attention. We're in control of our attention. We're in control of our mind's eye. We're in control of where we put our heads. It's not easy. It's the hardest thing in the world. It is easier to do planks than it is this. It's much easier to keep our hands out of a fridge than to keep our, our mind out of something negative. It is much easier to shut our mouths when we want to say something than to shut our mental eyes when we want to think something. But this is the game. This is the golden lever. This is it. This is the lever. Controlling our schemas. This is once we master this muscle, we not only can do things we never thought of, we can think things we never thought of. That means our mind is holding the keys to our soul. We can't shine out our natural power, our soul, if we can't control the gatekeeper of our, our soul. How do we get the soul out? We spent so much time on honor. We spent so much time on the superpower. How do we bring it out? It's by controlling the, 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 the fort. That's the keys. That's the gate. <coughs> That's the border. It's the ability to control our attention. Once you control your attention and you set it in a direction, and as that attention pulls you out, you say, no, I want to focus on this. It gets a little easier and a little easier and a little easier. <coughs> That's how you change how you feel. But for this moment, for this moment, it also changes how you feel about yourself. Because when you can control your attention and you focus it on be, on essence, versus have, on impact, now you are changing how you relate to the world just by focusing your attention on who I am, you go inside out. You stop, we stop being slaves to what they think. We stop being vulnerable to will it work. And we start recognizing that the real question is, 
should I do it? And did I give it my all? Once we take that mind's eye, that attention, and we see that the way I feel really is less about the circumstances, about my attention to the circumstances. And now we apply it to the world of humility and see that I have a continuum in front of me. Be, do, have, essence, action, impact. If my attention is only on the impact, I'm living outside in and I'm vulnerable to this world. Ego, insecurity, look at yesterday's talk. But, but what I could do, it's gonna be hard. But what else is life for? To work hard on the things that, are ma that matter. It's easy to do this and is to try to make all the money and impress people, let me tell you that much. Or just impress people, forget the money part. Once I take my attention, and I focus it all the way to the other side of the continuum. I put it at the B. Now I am conditioning myself to look at the things that are important, which will ultimately feel familiar, which will build neuroplasticity, which will naturally on its own, let my light shine out and make me truly humble without it being, I got to like pretend I am when I'm not. That's when I start going inside out and start revealing the true essence of who I am. Okay, we'll pick this up. We'll continue it. Thanks so much for sticking with me. You got questions tomorrow, <clears throat> but usually these questions now are going from like rapid fire to like one or two, but we'll continue this theme tomorrow. Have an incredible day. And with God's help, I cannot wait to see you tomorrow. For those who are interested tonight, thank you, Michael, for remembering, remembering tonight. The Shabbat show, we're doing. Uh, Favorite clips on H.com. It's fun stuff. Tonight, 8 o'clock, projectinspired.com or on my Facebook page. Have a great day, everybody.